Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the martial arts. My guest today is an accomplished speaker, martial artist, mentalist, magician, hypnotist, and former teacher who specializes in delivering top-notch entertainment for high-end corporate events. He has honed his craft through extensive training in martial arts, psychology, Eastern and Western philosophy, stoicism, and hypnotherapy. His background and expertise in these fields have given him a unique perspective on the power of focus and concentration. His presentation focuses on teaching people how to keep their inner critic working for them instead of against them. In addition to all of this, he also studied comedy at Second City in Chicago. Please welcome my guest today, the professional show-off himself, the amazing Arthur Fratelli. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, Brian, I'm amazing. Good to be on the podcast. <laughs> I'm so happy we're doing this, and, and I, I'm, I'm glad we're taking the time, and I can't wait to can't wait to chat and get to know a little more about you than I've, than I've read already. Same here. I'm excited to be on here. I know you said you've listened to a few episodes, but kind of how we like to start things, I want to go back to the very beginning. I know I read that you started around the age of 12, but I want to know what led to that. Where did that, that first spark, that first interest in martial arts come from, and kind of what launched your martial arts journey? Excellent. Well, I have such fond memories of my journey. It's been nothing but a journey. And it actually goes back to when I was about eight years old and I got into archery. Oh, cool. And what, yeah, what archery did was it taught me, and I can only realize this looking backwards, but it taught me how important it is to be able to be still and focus. And that focus, I realized, was keeping me busy. And when I wasn't doing archery, I was thinking about archery. Well, when I took a pause from archery, it was replaced with BMX bikes in the 80s. Everybody had a mongoose nice. or a red line or a diamondback. So we all did BMX bikes. <laughs> and it was totally rad. That is right. Awesome. That's one of my movies, man. Mine but too. we had so much fun doing that. And I was so pumped with adrenaline. But then skateboarding took over. And it was the nice. first wave of big skateboarding, like the Bones Brigade in the Gleaming 80s. the cube. And, <laughs> dude, Christian dude, Slater, you know it. I was yep. there opening night with my big flop haircut and, nice. <laughs> uh, that that was my whole life but then i got into video games and i started struggling with video game addiction in the okay. summer of my sixth grade the summer of my would have been seventh grade year i got addicted to a video game called wizardry and it was on an old apple II computer and essentially it was the it was the forefather of world of warcraft and games like this it was very tolkien-esque dungeons and dragons mostly imagination, but I spent my whole summer indoors and I started getting really depressed and I'm only able to put this together now with time. And the correlation is when I wasn't busy, my brain, my inner critic, that's the part of your brain that drags you backwards into depression or forwards into anxiety. You know, you're living in the past or the future instead of where you should be. And I noticed when I didn't have a discipline, something to focus on several times a week, I would fall into depression. And video games were kind of my trigger for that. Wow. And when I was 12 in seventh grade, I was getting picked on. I went to a school. The kids were kind of wealthy and I was not the wealthy kid. 
So I kind of got pushed around a little. And these kids had known each other for six years. Well, my father had had enough and he signed me up for martial arts. And I studied Taekwondo was my first martial art at 12. And I got really lucky because I had an instructor who was an old school Vietnam veteran and Mr. Dome. And he was a Harley riding, gray haired, bearded, looks like ZZ Top. Nice. And this dude was very serious. His knuckles were just bruised. And, and he took me in, the dorky, nerdy, skinny little guy I was. And by the end of six months, man, I had confidence. I could make my gi pop, you know, you, you know, the crack, crack, oh, you yeah. know, when you punch and kick. And that when you hear that, that's that self-satisfaction. You get that, hey, I put in time and energy and I'm being rewarded. I, I was not able to do this a few weeks ago and now I can. And that gave me the confidence uh, to go forth from there. And that really gave me interest in all martial arts. I started looking into everything, man. I started exploring every martial art I could. I loved Kung Fu for the beauty of the style. And I loved boxing for the pure aerobic workout is the, the boxing. I learned how to jump rope, do the speed bag. And for me, martial arts is all about keeping that inner critic quiet and working out and getting that same exercise that your ancestors got millions of years ago when they were out hunting and they were out defending themselves and fighting and uh, burning calories. And if I don't get my workout in every single day, mm -hmm. man, my head is not straight. I need to be on right. So how long did you stay at that first school? So the first school I stayed for three years oh, nice. and I moved on. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I moved on though to uh, a Kung Fu school. And then in the mid nineties, early nineties, I joined a mixed martial arts group back. This is back when the uh, UFC was just beginning. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I was ready to take on more serious challenges instead of, you know, the, the typical Taekwondo type, you know, due to insurance, you know, these schools can't go all out fighting and right. things like that. So I was ready to go to the next level. So I, I got in with some guys that were pretty serious and, and uh, I got beat up regularly. Uh, <laughs> it, it got old very quickly. <laughs> I want to back up just a little. When you're at the Taekwondo school for those three years, did you ever get into the competition side of things? You know, I went to one competition and that was it. I typically did not compete. It was more for me. This is all meditation in motion. Okay. And meditation in motion to me is worth 10 meditations in silence. When you can focus on learning a skill, like you're learning your, your forms or you're, you're working on the speed bag, mm -hmm. it's you and this goal. And you cannot think of anything but what you're physically trying to learn. And that's the same with skateboarding or bicycling or, yep. or any discipline you learn. Now, I've, I've been doing magic for 30 years. When you're learning a card trick, how to shuffle cards with one hand, you have to consciously focus on what you're doing. Yeah. And the science, I love the neurology side of martial arts because when you're trying to learn a skill and you go to bed at night, your brain during REM sleep is actively trying to make connections in your brain so that you are more efficient at whatever it is you're trying to learn. For example, when someone's on the speed bag and they get started, they look around and they say, this isn't even possible. How can I get this speed bag going? <laughs> yep. Then you check in on them in two months and it's, you know, so I love this way the brain works. And I love using sports psychology to try to get the most out of every practice session that I'm in. Nice. What belt did you get to at the Taekwondo school? I did make it to black belt nice. when I was a teenager. It, and that was a lot of fun. But that to me, that was just one part of the journey. Right. I wanted to learn everything I could about every martial arts uh, every martial art ever invented, which okay. led me, I was able to train for a little bit with the Hicksons for a couple weekends. I trained with them back in the nineties when they were dominating, um, back in the mid nineties. So I'm sorry, with Hicks and Gracie, excuse me. I was okay. able to train with Hicks and Gracie for a couple weekends. And, uh, that was mind blowing right there. Just watching how, you know, this, this family grew up with all these martial arts artists in the mm -hmm. house and having a father who could, 
train them and guide them. What an advantage, you yeah. know, <laughs> just awesome. Awesome. I learned so much. And back then, you know, a lot of people were talking about Hoist cause he was in the USC. A lot of people don't realize yeah. Hickson was the good one. I mean, Hoist was good, yeah, but Hickson was the good one. Could, that's right. He used to say, I'm good, but my brother could beat me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And that was back in the day, you know, I loved it cause I grew up when that was all, I was in my early te- or late teens rather when that whole UFC thing came to fruition. And the guy who won the second or third UFC, he trained in the same group I was with. Oh, nice. Nice. He was an alternate and he stepped in and won the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I got to ask you then, are you more a fan of the, the old school UFC or the new more, you know, a lot more rules and more modernized style? So clearly it's evolved in the right direction. Yes. But at the same time, it did really answer those questions that we've been asking for decades is what is better? Is martial, which martial art is the most dangerous? Well, the answer is if you don't know all of them, you don't, you might as well not know any of them in the ring. Right. You know? so basically the first four UFCs were a, a, you know, a paid infomercial for Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. I mean, 100%. I, I, I agree. It was. They were definitely, they were definitely made to his advantage. There's yes. no doubt about it. Yes. But at the same time, it really shows you got to be like Bruce Lee said, you got to take what is useful, absorb what is useful from every discipline and apply it to your own. So do you, did you ever then in any of your martial arts, did you ever get into the teaching side of things? Yeah, actually I did. I took a Kung Fu school that a gentleman had opened years ago in uh, Nebraska and it was more, it was more like Tai Chi and stuff. So I did teach a little bit of that. Okay. I never got into the teaching of the uh, more serious fighting or anything. Uh, never got in that, but definitely have taught a few students here and there. But again, I find great joy in just the silence, being alone, focusing on your workout, getting your heart going. So that, that to me is great peace. I've never finished a workout and said, God, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Now, I'm curious if you remember, cause I'm, my core system is traditional Taekwondo. Do you remember what system of Taekwondo you studied? Like which Quan it was or. No, this, um, this would have been 1987. Okay. Eight, nine, I, I'm sorry, man. It's been so long. I, no, I no, I'm remember. just curious. I like asking that. Do you, so I do remember how to count in Korean somewhat. <laughs> Hana, Tulu, Set, Net, Dasa. Is, am I right? <laughs> you're, you're close. Yeah. That's actually pretty good for, for being <laughs> that long. So yeah. 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 And, and depending what school, a lot of them pronounce it just a little bit different. But yeah, Hana Dual Set Net Dasat Rasa Ilgup Yodel Hop Yul. So I mean, but it's and, hey, I, and I've heard of my friend. Yeah, and I've heard a few a few of those pronounced just a little differently at different schools yeah. and it's spelled a little differently and stuff. But, right. but yeah. So what what do you remember then? And it was a while ago. But do you remember much about your black belt test? What did, what kind of stuff did you have to do at that school? So it was certainly the thing that a lot of uh, seems like a lot of schools around here was you fi- fight multiple people at a time. Mm-hmm. So they'd send one in for a couple minutes, then another person would go after you. It'd be one after another, and you'd have to do three or four in a row. And then what I remember most, though, was the physical workout required to get to your blackout belt. They weren't just giving them out. You had to do push-ups. You had to do them on your knuckles. There was just a lot of – whereas it's sad to see a lot of the schools, you know, that have turned into, you know, you buy a belt, the McDojo type style. But, yeah, I do remember tons of – Cardio. Cardio was the big deal in our school, but what we were sorely missing was, and nobody really had this back in the day, but was the ground fighting and the Mm -hmm. grappling, which is what I really wanted to find. And and always as a true martial artist, always looking to expand and add more to your repertoire and get rid of what you don't need. Yes, always. And that's smart, especially at that young age that you went out seeking that. I mean, because you know, you said you were there from about 12 to 15 and then you went and found, now when you started looking for other schools, were you specifically looking for Kung Fu or was it? Yes, I was. 
I got a book. I got a, well, I wanted to follow Bruce Lee's footsteps and start with something uh, from China where, you know, I love, I love the idea of, you know, the Chinese martial arts spreading throughout the world. So I wanted to start where it started and I wanted to learn the Southern schools are the Wing Chun, the Northern schools are the, are the long fist and the Shaolin high kicks. And I wanted to learn everything about each of those. And what it led me down to, sadly, when I met the master that was behind this system, um, I'd already been in magic for a while Mm -hmm. and he was doing essentially what were magic tricks and trying to convince people that it was chi energy. Mm. And I was very turned off immediately. And I, I immediately quit because I was like, I know how these magic tricks are done. And you're trying to tell people you have energy. I'm done. And I realized that there were more efficient methods of, you know, self-defense and combat and working out. And so I was very disillusioned, but that's part of being a magician. As a magician, you're a skeptic. You're always, uh, Harry Houdini spent the second half of his career going around debunking medium psychic <laughs> spiritualists. Yep. And I felt no different when I saw this gentleman get up on stage and push a spear into his neck and say, I'm flowing my chi energy. And I'm looking around going, everybody's clapping like he's magic. And it's not, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's a trick. In regards to chi energy and what we think about it as martial arts artists, uh, it varies across the spectrum from people who believe it's an actual energy, something you can produce like a, Ken or Ryu in Street Fighter 2, and you can do a Hadouken, a Hanukin, whatever, and that's your chi energy. But in my mind, uh, and this is a friend of mine, I credit my friend Tom, he's been a lifelong martial artist, and he credits, he, he says, what chi energy is supposed to be is, is a teaching technique. And by that, I mean, the brain thinks in visuals. If you think of the word imagination, the first word is image. So if you can use imagery to connect with your student on how to properly throw a kick or a punch and use the term chi energy, the energy within you, uh, then that is a great way to visualize a technique. And a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, a good visualization is worth a million words because your brain struggles to recognize visualization from reality. And the example I would give in this chi energy would be teaching someone how to throw a proper cross, uh, how to throw a good, solid, right cross. And you would explain to them, imagine your chi energy coming from the earth into your feet, into your ankles, into your into your calves, into your knees, into your thighs, into the hip, and you twist into it to get maximum torque and picture that chi energy at the moment when it goes from your shoulder and your complete relaxed body at the last moment tenses to connect and picture your chi energy leaving you from the earth up. And that is why, and as a hypnotist and as a sports psychology fan, I I really feel that there is value to some degree in teaching chi energy. But let's not mistake this with mysticism. It is a pseudoscience, in my opinion. This is my opinion to believe that, that there is this energy that will protect you from blades or anything. But as far as a teaching technique, I can see where someone would come up with it. There's some techniques that you have to visualize. It's almost impossible to describe without some sort of visualization. And that's the theory that my friend Tom and I, we talk about a lot. Nice. So it's not like the force. Unfortunately not. But if you were to use your imagination that, you know, that's what you'd be capable of. But unfortunately we are bound by physics and, uh, and the laws of science, a great book for all my martial arts friends that I think, I don't think you should be allowed to graduate high school without reading is called, uh, Demon Haunted World, Science as a Candle in the Dark, and it's by Carl Sagan. 
And that book is basically a great way to tell reality from fiction. And in the world of martial arts, where there's a lot of legends and lore, we really need a science-based education to know what is real and what is not. And again, we can credit the MMA community for kind of separating reality from fiction and and what is, what does and doesn't work. But I really enjoy talking martial arts theory, and that's one that I'll talk about for uh, with people for hours. Nice. Yeah. Another book to add to my list too. So I like that. Yeah. You'll enjoy it. It's definitely worth reading. It came out in 96 and it's, and every year it seems like it's more relevant to the world we live in where um, it's hard to distinguish reality from fiction and, and uh, being a skeptic, I think is extremely important. Nice. So again, that led me to the Western martial arts, which I found the workout, you know, just, just that boxers workout is really so for good. me. That's so, oh man, there's nothing like it. You know, that, there's a reason those guys work out like that. It's cause you know, keep your heart going. Yeah. I, I was lucky enough years ago, uh, when I was doing a lot more training than I, I, I am now, unfortunately, but I had a group of guys at the Taekwondo school I was teaching at that wanted extra practice. And I jokingly, I'm like, well, what about every day at 5am? They're like, okay, we'll meet you here. And I'm like, I, I didn't think they would. And like for these guys and, and we were talking about it, we were at a, I was judging MMA fights and we were talking about it at one of the MMA fights. And the one guy who was leading the commission at the time, he's like, well, can I join you guys? I'm like, yeah, if you want to, this, I don't know if you follow boxing, but this is a guy who was one of Virgil Hill's original trainers back in the day. And so he came to these workouts for six months, every morning at 5 a.m. And he taught us boxing drills. We taught him kicking drills. And it was some of the best workouts I've ever had in my life. Probably the best six months of my life as far as like physical and workout stuff. And and I was so sad when he moved. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah, And 5 a.m. is ideal. You know, that's the hour of the tiger. I mean, that's right out of book of five rings. You wake up before three and five and you work out. And, and Brian, you, you know, this, uh, when you work out at 5 a.m., man, the rest of your day is the best day. Man, you'll never exactly. have a bad day. You can hand, you can hand. It's all mental, man. Yep. That's what I'm telling you. Listen, I look at it like this. Evolutionary-wise, 100,000 years ago, our ancestors were up before dawn hunting, trapping, gathering, following buffalo across the plains and they were doing tons of calories and cardio and they're they're out there you know making weapons and trying to hunt and now here we are fast forward to 2023 we are literally a button away from having any type of food delivered right to our door without expanding calories we're able to you know whatever we want whereas and we didn't have time to get depressed a thousand years ago because we were wondering where our next meal is going to come from Mm -hmm. And nope. we were busy chopping wood to stay warm. And now I think this is, we see people are depressed and anxious. First of all, man, we've got this whole culture of we're convinced we have to have three meals a day, fast food. They want you by they, I mean, you know, the, the stock, the stock prices of these companies are not going to go up if we don't go to KFC for breakfast, Taco Bell for lunch and Pizza Hut for dinner. <laughs> yeah. And then at night when we're watching TV, there's all these ads saying, are you depressed? Do you Are you overweight? Are you having issues with cholesterol? And it's all all their stock prices are going up by convincing you to sit at home, eat junk food. And then you don't look as good at these as these people on commercials. So you need medicine when the answer is. We should be getting up early, exercising, eating one meal a day, eating sensibly, going to bed early, getting up early, repeat. Yeah. You won't need any of that. You, you know, all that whole industry is built 
upon making sure that we are addicted. And the toughest part with that is just, it's that first step of doing it the first few, because usually it's most people, it's like, if you do it for like seven to 10 straight days, it'll become a habit. And then when I was doing, I mean, I need to get back to that, but I know after about two weeks, I didn't even need an alarm clock. It's like 4.15, boom, eyes wide open. And I was out the door in 10 minutes. (laughs) Listen, man, I'm with you. I haven't missed, I haven't missed with the exception of a few days when I'm traveling. I haven't missed a workout in almost three and a half years. Wow. You're doing better than me. (laughs) Working out sometimes twice a day. I, and I hit the every day. same thing, speed bag. I've got uh, heavy bags. I've got jump rope three minutes a day minimum. And I've never felt better. And uh, it's really, to me, it's like once you get that habit, and that's the key. Uh, I highly recommend a book by Jason Clear called Atomic Habits. Oh, and okay. it's it's fantastic. And the audiobook version is on YouTube, I believe. But basically, it comes down to once you can establish these good habits, he talks to you about how to do habit stacking and how to do habit loops. And once you can get this cue and reward lined up as a system in your life for whatever it is you want to do, it's on autopilot from there. And I've been using techniques like this. This is all psychological Mm -hmm. techniques and things that I've been able to use to really be able to be more productive throughout my day. And nice. to be more productive with, you know, everything. Which was a better workout, the boxing school or the MMA school? Well, so there's, in my opinion, there's two different workouts. So one is when you're a guy my age, you want to work out that you're going to be able to leave and still get, uh, and, and not have to go to the hospital. So <laughs> yep. it was, I'll tell you what, what I enjoy about the modern workout I do is I know I'm going to be able to make it to my car. The workout mm-hmm. I used to do with the MMA guys I was taught in my first class there what the common peroneal is. Do you know what that is? The nerve down the side of your leg. Okay. Yeah. And and it's this nerve. And if you take a round kick just at the right angle, you're not going to be able to walk on that leg. And yep. uh, my first day in class, I found that out. I also found out that when you go to the ground, whereas in Taekwondo, it was, okay, step back, let's get back up. I fell to the ground and I found that the fight was beginning from a whole new uh, angle. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about that. So fighting from the ground, is a different cardio uh, by far. And when working out sparring with someone's a different cardio. Yes. So back when I was a teenager, I fancied myself, uh, enter the dragon, you know, like, uh, Hey man, I'm like Bruce Lee here, but now man, give me the, uh, give me the no sparring workout every time. <laughs> nice. Nice. Now I know, I know I read in your bio that you're actually a, a teacher now before you got into your current, did you actually teach or. So I've got a really interesting story there. Mm-hmm. Basically when I was in college, I was doing uh, I was really interested in magic and mind reading mentalism. And I met, uh, there was a professor that was a hypnotist and he had a, a hypnosis course and a, a class that he taught. And I became a hypnotherapist. And I took that on the road, performing at high schools, colleges, doing my comedy hypnosis show. Okay. So that that led me right when I was about to graduate college. I got a degree in education and I did one year of teaching in the public school system. And I told myself, I'm going to do one year teaching and I'm also going to be a professional performer doing hypnosis and magic and speaking at events. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to see if I can make a living at that. And uh, I've never gone back to teaching. Wow. So that was 1998. So it was 25 years ago. Ever since then, I've been performing full-time on stage, traveling around the country, uh, speaking to groups about the power of the mind. It's really a lot of fun. How, did uh, COVID put a damper on that quite a bit? Or yeah, slow, man. Slow. I've been rebuilding for three years. <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was a week in March, uh, Brian, let me tell you. I didn't, I didn't answer my phone and my voicemail was full and it was just one voicemail, same voicemail, different name and event. Hey, this is so-and-so with this event. 
we need to cancel and we'd like our deposit back. <laughs> so oh, geez. Man, that's brutal. Hey man, but you know what? But you know what, Brian, here's mm -hmm. the thing. The journey of a martial artist prepares mm -hmm. you for these things yep. because along your way, when you become a martial artist, you've already faced adversity and discipline and you're, why would you not expect that from your life? And it was able, I was able to use the philosophies that martial arts taught me to get through that. Okay. And that actually leads to kind of my next question. You, you answered a little bit, but at what point did you decide or did it just happen that you started using martial arts in your career and in your, you know, on stage and, and doing your, you know, corporate speaking and entertaining sure. and stuff? How did that, how did that come about? Well, martial arts is a way of life. I feel like it's a hard drive. Uh, once you become a martial artist, it's uh, you look for it everywhere. You see it in movies. So it expresses itself like Bruce Lee says. He says martial arts is the ultimate expression of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I feel that I've been able to bring that attitude to the stage. When I'm on stage, I have no rules about what I do. I juggle. I do magic. I do hypnosis. I'm the ultimate expression. I'm like Bruce Lee's theory. I, I, I've always embraced that on stages. I'm not going to call myself a magician right. exclusively, just like Bruce Lee wouldn't have called himself a Wing Chun man or just, you know, so I bring all of that to the stage every time I'm on stage. That's really cool. Yeah. I read that. Cause yeah, it said, it said that you, you hated those labels. You don't want to be just one thing, just one thing. Or the other. And mm -hmm. I also read somewhere that literally no shows ever the same. That's true. And that's part of the shared experience of a live performance, which is why I feel like it's great to be on zoom and entertaining, mm -hmm. but it's not the same as being there in person for a shared experience at that one moment in time. Right. And I love performing live. It's just a, it's kind of a thrill. It's a, it's a rush. I know you, you know, some of the philosophies and the teachings of martial arts, do you ever, uh, break out any techniques on stage? Yeah, just last night. I was last night I was on stage for a, a corporate conference and uh I'm not going to lie, I whipped out a few uh, pretty impressive kicks to keep people's attention. Nice. And I have a few jokes I uh one of my one of my jokes that my my daughters consider very cringeworthy. <laughs> I say uh I say what is Bruce Lee's favorite drink? And then I do a big jumping kick and I say, "What a!" <laughs> wow. That's a, that's the ultimate dad joke. <laughs> That's, that's pretty bad. And then I'll say, uh, afterwards I'll say to everyone, uh, you know, Hey, I don't know if you noticed, but black belt. And then I point out, I am indeed wearing a black belt. So that's the kind of, you know, the theory of that is that is a pattern interrupts to an audience. We mm -hmm. live in a day and age where everyone is, uh, is addicted to their screens and their dopamine fix comes from looking at a screen. So anytime you're in a live performance on stage and you can throw in a pattern interrupt to re grab people's attention, I try to do it visually because people listen best while watching. Yes. So when I'm on stage and I whip out a big kick, people like re-engage. They're like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. Mm -hmm. So I, that, again, there's another, uh, you know, that's not only that, but martial arts gives you the courage to be up in front of people because you've, people have already seen you get your butt kicked. So now you're not afraid to get up and be a speaker. <laughs> right. No, that makes sense. I, that, like, it, I, it really does. I, I've told that story for me. I mean, as a kid, I was, even though I'd done martial arts when I was younger, but I was deathly 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 stage fright when i was young and it wasn't until my my instructor essentially pushed me into teaching my own class that i started getting yeah. that confidence so it helps and i see it all the time when a kid when a kid signs up you see in a few months man they come out of their shell they feel more confident and it, again it's because they built skills yep and they see they're capable that's cool so you mentioned kids now your kids do martial arts you know what? I've got five kids and I've got a seven year old who wow. actually 
my seven-year-old really likes boxing. We break out the mitts and the gloves, and he'll do the he'll do all the numbers one through six, and he uh, he likes it. And we watch all the boxing movies. Uh, and he's a uh, yeah he's been a joy to uh bring into the martial arts community he'll say he'll say sometimes you have offended my family and you have offended the shaolin temple and then he takes a pose like bruce lee that's awesome pretty cool man. yeah it's awesome he's well he's got a pretty cool dad so. i was gonna say that's good parenting there so and oh, and yeah. and how about your your wife your wife do martial arts ever you get her into it no she never no she never did she never okay. got into that that that's she's into ballet i've got three girls they were into ballet Okay. And that was more her thing, but no, she never followed into the martial arts thing too much. Although I will tell you one of our first dates, this is how long we've been together was to see the Bruce Lee film, uh, dragon. If you remember that. Oh yeah. It was 93. Three. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Nine thirty years. And the other one was best of the best two, oh. which is, which is, which I saw in theaters. Our, our martial arts studio was across the street from the theater. So we'd nice. go like every day of the week when it was out. I didn't miss it. Like I said, go see it again. Come on, guys. I actually got to I in, interview movie. Simon Ree. So that was. The, the Ree, those guys are awesome. That's yes. still, that movie holds up. I love that movie. I like, I like all the best of the best movies. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I, I got to tell Simon the story too, because at Best of the Best 2, me and my buddy went to it. He's from my Taekwondo class and we went to Best of the Best 2 in the theater. And there was the one scene where Dave Han and the other guys came over and they basically got in that, like that, not the bar fight, but the fight at the hotel. The casino? And yeah. They, yeah, they, yeah, hel- the they casino, helped them. Yeah. And they si- in, yeah. Yes. And Simon did the one kick where he did it in the air, sidekick right into a jump turning cycle because they were setting down. And me and my friend were like, yeah. dude, did you see that? And we went to the, I, we went to the Taekwondo school after the movie and stayed there until two in the morning until he perfected that kick. <laughs> <laughs> like that was okay, so much you fun. guys were way more dedicated than we were <laughs> yeah our instructor gave us a key he's like if you guys want to come in on the weekends i'll give Dude, you guys that's a key. awesome yeah yeah oh that's cool man great memories yep, i've had that's a key since i was a blue belt how many people have memories like that all over the world about that movie you know like i bet there's other people talking about it you know yep oh no that's i think cool. i think because it was uh yeah, Dragon the Bruce Lee story, and then I think was Crow the same year? Was Crow a year later? Yeah, Crow. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Crow would have been yeah ninety three. That's right with Brandon Lee. Yeah, yep. that, that's right. Yeah, there's some. Uh, well, the whole martial arts <laughs> movies genre to me is is a, I love. I could talk a lot of my I call them hard drive movies, and mm-hmm. by that what I mean is you grow up watching these movies, and they essentially format inside you, and you become the hero's journey. Like all these stories are the same story. Guy starts at the bottom has to meet a coach or a teacher, or a mentor, or a wizard, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he works his way up, you know, and there's so many, I, I grew up watching, have you ever seen 36 Shaolin Chambers? Oh, I have the DVD. Yep. <laughs> oh dude. And how about yep. uh, the house of the flying guillotine? Have you seen that? I've seen it, but I don't have the DVD of that one. <laughs> but I've seen oh, that. that one's great with the one-armed boxer. Yep. And oh dude, that's great. Well, so those are some of my hard drive movies I grew up with were those, but also growing up in the eighties on cable TV on TBS was basically Rocky was on one of the four Rockies would yep. be on basically every day. Yes. So uh, that was, that was such a magical time to grow up with that in the background, you know, it became just a part of our culture, just the, the Rocky music and the whole, the whole idea of Rocky's attitude, you know, of don't give up. And uh, every kid my age knew the Rocky story pretty well. I remember we went to, it was a Rocky four in the theater. And I still remember this oh, because dude, wasn't that the, best? Well, the best part was we were there opening night and I was probably oh. sitting in the middle of the theater and and the scene one, you know, spoiler alert, when Apollo died, <laughs> this kid in the <laughs> this kid in the front row as loud as can be, Apollo <laughs> And we just lost it laughing so hard. <laughs> like supposed to be a sad moment and this kid just ruined it for everyone. I'm like, Are you serious, dude? Uh. 
But it was good. Hey, man, you know, <laughs> you know what? That Rocky Four. Who would have thought that the Russians would still be our villain, you know, our enemy thirty years later? Essentially, in pop yep. culture wise, it's crazy. And I think but, I'm one. Uh, of, I'm yeah, one of the those, few that actually likes Rocky Five. <laughs> Dude, it's so funny. I was going to say, nobody nobody ever talks about that, but I love Tommy Gunn. I like the street yes. fight at the end, I and love I love the guy fight. who's portraying Don King going, touch me and I'll sue you. <laughs> sue you for what? Boom. <laughs> he punches him. Sue me for what? Yep. See, I love that one, too. I, I've actually, in the last two years, I've watched all the Rocky movies and all the Creed movies with my 16-year-old daughter. So, <laughs> Oh, great, man. Well, yeah. you know what? I really do enjoy those franchises, and I think Rocky's done a lot for martial arts. Yes. Uh, you know, boxing studios and and everything anytime those movies come out i know that the martial arts uh, attendance increases somewhere you know oh, people yeah. are going to sign up completely all right so we mentioned taekwondo you mentioned boxing kung fu mma any other styles that you crept into your your life over the years you know i'd say i'm, I'm a very much a theorist i love to talk martial arts theory mm-hmm. and training theory and and everything so uh, and lore i love the lore of martial arts like the history and everything i, I think it's really interesting but as far as act- actually practicing that's everything i've okay. pursued right there Ever do weapons training in any of those styles? No, I got I got fairly good at the uh, butterfly knife until I cut, <laughs> I cut myself. I gave that up, and then I could do the nunchucks pretty well at one point. Yep. But honestly, I I always wanted to be able to. I, and another thing I do is I'm pretty good at card throwing. I've actually worked on throwing playing cards. Nice. And uh, so that's my martial art. If anyone ever attacks me, I throw cards at them. That's actually really. Who, who's the the Marvel? It character is pretty that cool. Does, the Marvel guy. That oh, that's that. Gambit on yeah, X Men. That's yes. well, It's funny because when so when I was in high school, I used to read. X-Men and I remember categorizing how practical the mutant skills are in the real world <laughs> and I remember going through all the superheroes going you know Doctor Strange is probably one of the most plausible in the sense that hypnosis is real and mentalism yep. It looks like it's real, even though it's science, you know, it's tricks. And I remember also thinking Gambit. Gambit has a real world skill. Throwing cards is something that, you know, you're not going to hurt anyone, but it's sure cool, you know. I've seen a few and I'm like, that's impressive. I, I can do throwing stars and throwing knives, but I've never, I've tried doing the card throwing, never pulled it off. So, <laughs> you know, like everything, you just do it every day. By the end of a couple of years, you'll be like, damn, I'm pretty good. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Know? And again, when you do that, you know, what I love talking about, Brian, is, is in my presentations, and I think this is something that any martial artist would appreciate, is when you are doing focused, concentrated time and working on something, and then when you go to sleep, the REM sleep recreates all of that. And what it's doing is it's building this, this mechanism in the back of your brain that it's like a little pathway of neurons and dendrites, and it builds up a motor that handles the skill you're trying to teach. And the best example I like to give is watching your children learn how to play Mario Kart. (laughs) Because when they're five or six, they're all over the road, man. They don't know how to drive at all. They're frustrated. They're throwing the controller. But you give them a couple weeks, and then they're pretty good. And before you know it, they're beating you on Rainbow Road. And that is exactly what happens when you're practicing a skill like martial arts or juggling or magic or dance or anything. And we can accelerate that by getting enough sleep. You need six REM cycles of Mm -hmm. 45 minutes apiece for those skills to be built. And once that motor in the back of your head for the skill is built, you'll be able to do that skill without even thinking about it. So, for example, if I teach someone to juggle, they're they're focusing, they're throwing, they're thinking, throw, throw, catch. Well, while they're physically thinking about the throwing, they can't be depressed. They can't be anxious. You can only be in the now. But eventually, when you get good at the trick and you're doing it without thinking, if I was to put you in one of those MRI machines and we fired it up, you would have built these pathways in the back of your brain that other people wouldn't have because you've practiced that skill. So 
what we want to do here is always be trying to get our martial arts skills in the back of the brain. You know, the man who practiced 10,000 kicks is the one I fear, not the one who practiced 10,000 kicks one time. Yeah. You know? So what I'm always doing when I'm doing the speed bag or I'm doing, you know, just a hundred front kicks, I'm, I'm telling myself, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get that to the back of my head so I can not think about it. And once you're, once you're able to do the skill and think about what you're going to have for breakfast, like in the world of juggling or card tricks or magic, once you can physically do something and it's easy, then you know it's time to learn a new trick and now challenge yourself again because your life should always be about challenging yourself and whatever it is. That's cool. Uh, trying to make those brain pattern, you know, the, uh, the connection stronger and more efficient. So, and some really interesting research about practice that has blown my mind is in Stanford, apparently they're, they're practicing, they're giving people, for example, I think it was basketball. They take two groups of people and they have them shoot baskets for an hour. And in one group, they'll interject a sound that will go on during practice. They'll do a, a series of beeps while they're doing free throws. Then at night, when they enter REM sleep, they reintroduce those same sounds and they can actively see that their brain is now being forced into thinking about, it's like being tricked into thinking about the free throws. And they're seeing the two groups comparatively, the groups that have the sounds introduced are improving at a much faster and higher rate in terms of their skill. Wow. The exact numbers I don't have, mm -hmm. but this is all this is all information that's free to the public on uh, on uh, Stanford's website, I believe. And that's something that when you're a coach at a high level and doing training someone as an athlete, and you're there you're their coach or you're their psychologist, you need to take advantage of these things that science is learning. They've also done it with smells where they introduce the smell of lavender into the room. And then when you're asleep, they introduce it and it triggers your thoughts to remember the practice session from earlier. So while you're in bed, now your brain is thinking about what you tried to do in the day and they're seeing those improving scores, you know? So it, it's amazing time to be alive with the study of neuroscience. That's cool. Have you ever considered writing a book? Yeah, you know, I've got several unfinished books on my hard drive, Brian. It's uh, <laughs> it's one of those things. I do. I have several. I, I really, I, I'm trying to condense condense all this, but I'm so busy traveling around speaking mm -hmm. and, and doing these presentations that it's sometimes hard to sit down. But that is definitely on my list. I've got several books that are, I keep telling myself I'm almost there. Okay. <laughs> but how, soon, many, how many shows do you do a year? So it depends. Um Pre-COVID, you know, hun you know, hundreds, I'm doing hundreds of shows a year, but really it depends. There's busy seasons, there's slow seasons. Typically I'm doing two, three, four a week, okay. pretty minimum. Then there's some weeks when you're busy where you're doing sometimes two or three a day, depending. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I was looking just, you know, some of the places you've been and stuff. And I actually know you've been in North Dakota, which is across the river from me. Well, I don't like to brag, but I have <laughs> been in North Dakota. That's, true. that's cool. I, and well, I'm assuming I, are most of them like private corporate things. So like it's nothing that's uh, open to the public usually. Yeah. Almost all my work is, is private company parties. They hire me to come in and talk to a sales team about psychology and hypnosis. I teach, I teach basically how to get into an extreme relaxed state. When you see a, uh, an athlete, like let's say Usain Bolt, for instance, mm -hmm. when you see Usain Bolt run, he looks like he is gliding, like yeah. he is just flying. Now to get to this state as a martial artist, this is your goal. Bruce Lee talks about this. All the martial arts talk about being relaxed. You watch a boxer, they are completely relaxed. Well, to get to this state, you need the sports psychologists help Usain Bolt get there through a series of muscle clenching and relaxing and through a breathing, a series of breathing. And these these breathing techniques really help you to loosen up and relax. And so you're physically at your peak. But a lot of this is mental. And the idea here of a coach is someone to guide you through till you can get that state. And that's what a hypnotist does. They kind of guide you to the state 
of suggestion where you're completely relaxed and now your inner critic is only listening to the suggestions from the hypnotist and now you're able to turn off that critic so you can accept the positive affirmations. For example, you would hypnotize someone who wanted to be a better martial artist. You'd ask for specific suggestions. You'd talk them into a state of relaxation where their muscles are just loose, limp, completely collapsed. And then you give positive affirmations about what the goals they're trying to get to and you back it up with systems. So if your goal is to last, you know, 10 three-minute rounds with cardio, you give yourself suggestions in this state. You give yourself suggestions about the, you know, you're an athlete, you wake up every morning, you hit the gym, and your brain is now accepting that this is who you're going to be. And there's just been lots of work done on it. It's a fascinating topic and it's endlessly interesting to me. That's cool. All right. So I got some some fun questions here. Who are three, four, five names you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts? Oh, okay. Ooh, this is good. <laughs> I, I, dude, I probably watched Bloodsport and Kickboxer about 400 times <laughs> nice. as a kid. I, I do like Jean-Claude Van Damme. I think he's awesome. Okay. I like, I like all the martial arts guys. I would put, um, you know, I think Bruce Lee obviously goes on there I and mean, yep. he's obviously at the top. I mean, everybody does that. but the Gracie family, I, I, I love their work. Let's see who else would I put up there. You know, Danny Inasano and his work, I always nice. liked his his yep. stuff. That was always I always enjoyed reading his things. I think who else would I put up there? Well, gosh, I can't tell you how many times I watched Chuck Norris and Delta Force and all oh, these movies. It. That was ridiculous how much I watched that. <laughs> I got real good at uh trying to practice my spinning back kick based on him. <laughs> So that was always one of my favorites. Um, you know, one of my favorite movies, I think that people forget though, is Kung Fu Hustle, the <sighs> Stephen Chow film. Nice. Love Stephen Chow. Which, yep. which I love the allegory and the hero's journey, the imagery of the Buddhist palm descending from heaven and the whole, the whole journey of him going from wanting to be a bad guy to being the good guy. I think that's an epic story. So, and obviously God, Jackie Chan is just wicked to this nice. day. It's hard to beat him. So those are all pretty good, solid choices. I would say very good ones. And I tell you, you you'd like this. I, sh I should find it and send you a picture of it, but I have at my mom's house, uh, the six foot original cardboard, like full size poster that was in the lobby of the movie theater from Delta force. Oh, dude, yeah. I'm holding the two Uzis. Yep. I got the guy to no! I got the guy to give it to me <laughs> from the movie theater. It's a him and Lee Marvin and Oh yeah. dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I it, love it. I didn't think my mom still had it. I was up in the rafters of their garage. I just found it like six months oh, ago. That's I'm like great. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Hey, you know what? Another one that was a VHS tape I wore out. Let's see if you remember this. Jeff Speakman in the, the perfect, perfect weapon. I've interviewed Jeff Speakman on my show. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to dig that up because Speakman. That to me, I love that movie. I love the opening sequence where he's just in his apartment practicing yep. and uh, to the, and the, there's so the many power by snap. The music. I've got the power, dude, yep. dude, dude, dude. That movie that's is a, the reason I I moved to California in 1996 to learn American Kempo. <laughs> No kidding, man. Yeah, that was, that's what started it for me. So, yeah. Hey, that was a great movie. Oh, I really man. enjoyed that movie. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Uh, that's one of my, I watch it at least once a year. There's a handful of martial arts movies like that one, Best of the Best, Enter the Dragon, The Karate Kid. There's a handful that I, I'll pull out and watch at least once a year. And only The yep. Strong's another one too, Mark DeCoscos. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, is that the Capoeira movie? Yep, that's the Capoeira movie. Yeah, yep. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, well, that would have been like, what, 90. Four or five, right around I there. I think so. I think yeah, early to mid nineties. Yep. Yeah. Was, yeah. And I tell right. people Boy. that's the good Capoeira movie. They're like, oh, it's the only one. I'm like, no, there was a horrible one. If you were, you might remember this because you're just around the same age as me. Late, eight, I think it was eighty eight or eighty nine. There was a movie starring Jason Gedrick from Iron Eagle called Rooftops. 
do not remember it. Oh, a horrible movie. <laughs> I actually went okay, back well, and rewatched it about four months ago just to see if it was as bad as I remember. But it's it's it, it, in the movie they actually called it combat dancing. They didn't even call it capoeira. Ooh, I don't think combat dancing. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Well, how about do you remember Jim Cotta? God, that's bad. That Jim, actually might Jim be one Cotta. of the worst ones ever. One of the worst that, ones ever. That's the one where he's on the pommel horse and he's doing kicking all the people as yep. he's doing the horse. Yeah, that was hilarious. Um, well, here's one that I love that recently came out was Paper Dragons or Paper Tigers. That's a good movie. That's a really good movie. Man, that yeah. movie is, are you kidding? It's fantastic, dude. I was dying through that movie. That was genius. That is so cool. There's right. so many funny lines in that movie. <laughs> there is. I, that's what I, mean, I need I, to rewatch. <laughs> and one of my favorite lines from any movie is in Kung Fu Hustle when the uh, the Axe Gang hires the two musician assassins. <laughs> to go kill the uh, Kung Fu masters at Diagon Alley. Yep. One of my favorite lines in a movie is when he says to the Axe Gang, he says, older Kung Fu masters of this never level never cease to be a problem. Nice. And I thought, I love it. That's great to age as a master and still be causing trouble for the bad guys. I love it. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. Know? How about, uh, were you a fan? Do you remember the movie Blind Fury with Rutger Hauer? He was like the, the, blind, the blind guy with the cane that had a sword in it. Oh no no I don't okay. I know Kung I know Kung Fury the yep. the internet the yep. YouTube movie but not blind blind I don't I, I want I can't remember if it was early nineties or late eighties I want to say like eighty eight eighty nine I think it came out the same time as that the same year as that movie Eye of the Tiger I think it was Gary okay, Boosie you- I think Gary Boosie started in that one. <laughs> Okay. I don't remember that at all, but I do remember this Lee Van Cleef in the ninja, the master, the master. master. Yeah. The master. I have the pilot episode on DVD with Demi Moore was in it. What year would that have been? Like 83, four? I, I think it was 83. Cause I think it was the year before the TV show sidekicks came out with Ernie Ray's junior. I remember that. Hey, do you remember him in Conan the Barbarian? The yep. second Conan? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was, what, yeah, that, that was one of man, my favorite TV shows. Here, man. Dude, I could literally talk like eighties, nineties, martial arts movies for like two hours. <laughs> hey, listen, man. I mean, just gratitude for being a generation Xer. I love being born when I was, I feel very fortunate. We had so much cool pop culture in terms of movies we were there for the martial arts explosion. You and I both have seen The Last Dragon. That's another yes. one of my favorite movies. I love that. That game, movie man, is fantastic. Man, that is one of the funniest movies. I'm trying to get Ty Mac on my show. I, I put a request in, oh, and I'd, I'd love to interview him. It'd be so cool. Yeah. Like Bruce Lee yeah, Roy man. himself. Bruce Lee Roy. That catches both with his teeth. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. a great movie. Again, we're so lucky we grew up when we did. We had such fun music, such fun movies, and uh, I didn't have a cell phone falling around yep. everywhere. Do you do you remember they call me Bruce and they still call me Bruce? Oh, dude, <laughs> yes, of course. You're one of the uh, first that remembers you those. Go back and watch it. You go back and watch that. It is so disrespectful to Italians oh, and everyone, man. You can't if you tried to make that movie today. Yeah, it's just uh, that's a great dude. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Do you remember? Well, this is off topic. Kentucky Fried Movie. Oh yeah. Or um, you do. Yeah, oh, that was actually just about, brought up on my interview last night. <laughs> that was brought up. So how about Amazon Women on the Moon? God, that was a bad one. That one and Earth Girls Are Easy came around the same time. I think. <laughs> it, might, it may be that was with Jim Carrey. I never saw that one, yep. but but the uh, yeah, I those. It's funny. Again, we grew up in that time where it was just that weird movies like Porky's, you know, like, remember that? That was huge. Another one that they could never make today. <laughs> no, you could not make that today for sure. <laughs> I got it. Before I get to my next question, I got one more I want to ask you about. Do you remember the early nineties TV series called street justice? Yes, of course. Um, Carl Weathers and Brian Genesee. God. 
Car- Carl Weathers. Yeah, yeah, Apollo Creed. Carl, Carl Weathers played a cop. Yeah. It was kind of like Sidekicks, except it was a movie. It was Carl Weathers played a cop, and Brian Genesee was like a twenty-some-year-old kid that basically lived with him and helped him. He was a martial artist and helped him solve crimes. It was one of my okay. Favorite. When you say Sidekicks, I'm thinking of the Chuck Norris movie. This that, is, that's this the is movie. Weird. Yeah, I was thinking the the Ernie Ray's Junior TV series Sidekicks. Oh, that was the TV show yeah, Sidekicks. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. and then but this movie was called Street Justice. Or was, TV that was, show. That was a TV Justice. show. Yep, it was around. The, it came out the same time as Kung Fu: The Legend Continues. They were on the, oh, r- roughly the same. And, yep. his, and was and wasn't David Carradine's kid in it yeah, or something? Chris, Who Chris, else was in that? Chris Potter played his son. Yes. Yes. And I, yeah, I remember watching. It just didn't have the same. I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't the yeah. same magic as the original. Obviously, it's hard exactly. to recapture that. Same thing with every TV show. Twilight Zone. How many times they tried rebooting that? Yeah. Or Adam's Family. Yeah. You know, they keep trying. It's never the same. But you, but you, no, you, man, you mentioned you, the Chuck Norris movie sidekicks. I love that his fight with Joe Piscopo at the end. <laughs> one of my I, favorites. Again, that falls in the category. If I watch that over and over, remember they kept doing those round kicks. They yep. just keep their foot up and just did Taekwondo. No, yeah, 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 dude. That was a fun. Movie. Again, fun times, man. What year did you graduate high school, Brian? 92. Dude, we were same. We're so, again, man, yep. I love growing up. Remember how cool it was to have an IROC Camaro or a five liter Mustang? <laughs> I, had <laughs> a, I had an 86 Dodge Charger. That was my my high school and college Ooh, car. The little, the little uh, hatchback. Was yep. it silver and blue? What was it? It, it was silver silver and gray, like silver and okay. grayish type. Like black? Yeah, yeah silver yeah. and black. How and many miles like, did you get out of it before it died? I honestly, those are the, I, I actually, it's something weird it happened at well? the engine. It ran pretty well, but I, I I had to trade it in because it, I regret selling it. <laughs> but there was something weird wrong with the engine. I had to keep putting money into it, and and right. my, I think my dad convinced me to sell it, and I kind of wish I wouldn't have. So, <laughs> and I bought a I bought a Toyota Tercel <laughs> when I sold that. Yeah. So not as cool. Uh, yeah, not as not as cool, but certainly you know what, man. All cars are designed to keep us poor. I swear. <laughs> Definitely. All right, so you've talked a lot about like you know philosophies and stuff, and so I'm curious uh, in all your years of martial arts and in your whole life, is there one philosophy that stands out, one that just rises to the top, and you keep coming back to it? Yes, and that is live life with purpose. Nice. I think this that this question is one that I've never had the same answer from anybody. <laughs> probably. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's what makes the world so interesting. Yes. All right. So this one, th- this one, I'm curious about. Do you have a favorite martial arts book? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Book of five rings. Uh, I consider that, I consider that a martial arts book. I also, uh, I would say, you know, Marcus Aurelius wrote a book called meditations, uh, stoicism philosophy, and it's not necessarily a martial arts book, but he mentions martial arts in it. And I always think back to this quote where he says, and he's older in his life, he's the emperor and he Mm -hmm. still works out every day and he works out, he wrestles and he says, when I am paired, actually, this may be a quote to one of the other strokes, but it's in Marcus's book. He says, when I am paired against a younger, more talented, powerful opponent in the wrestling pitch, I do not ask why me. I say, oh, I'm now able to sharpen my skills to a level I wouldn't have been to before. Nice. And I always look at life that way, like, oh, it's a challenge. That's good. That means now. Yeah, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to grow. I'm going to be able to apply this in my life as allegory in some other way, in some other future scenario. Very cool. I like that a lot. All right. These last few questions based on the last 10 minutes, we could go down some rabbit holes here, but I'm still going to ask them. So favorite martial arts video game. Oh, dude, Street Fighter <laughs> 2, Double Dragon, the original karate, Kung Fu. Nice. I, dude, I love all those games. You know, I got a little queasy with Mortal Kombat. I just feel like, because I, I, I don't want my kids seeing that when they're little. It's like, I can't yep. show them. That's just too much. So Mortal Kombat was where I kind of drew the line. But, dude, I've beat M. Bison with Chun-Li so many times. That's awesome. 
And I, I love Street Fighter Two. One I remember, and, and most people don't remember it. But if you if you had a Commodore sixty four, there was a bootleg video game that was just called Bruce Lee, and I don't think it was okay. I don't think it was licensed at all. And I, I actually went and found like a video of it on YouTube. And I'm like, man, that was a horror. I can't believe I enjoyed playing that. But but yeah, I used to play that. Play, I know it was it was bad. And like first of all, it looks nothing like Bruce Lee. <laughs> it was just I mean, it was like but nineteen eighty six on a Commodore sixty four. So you know, gra- right. graphics you weren't that, that good. Was- Dude, I used to play Ultima. Do you remember Ultima on the Commodore 64? I, I remember that. Yep. Oh, dude, we'd play Ultima at Bard's Tale. Oh, I yep. used to, again, I, I'm Brian, I will tell you one of the things I speak about once in a while is video game addiction mm-hmm. because uh, I have had to defeat video game addiction at least six separate times. First with Wizardry wow. in the 80s. Then again, I got addicted to World of Warcraft, then Clash of Clans, Clash Royale. And I finally, I just, I had to quit cold turkey because it was, it was literally, it was eating into my business. I was getting overweight. I was, these video games are designed by neurologists and psychologists to keep you playing. And it's just that quest, one more quest. And if you think about it, it appeals to the hero's journey inside all of us. And most of these games are sci fantasy or, or some sort of, you know, like Dungeons and Dragons type feel to them. And that's because something inside each of us is called to that adventure. And what we're missing, though, is we're supposed to use that call to adventure in our own lives, not in the video games. Yeah, definitely. And and that's the way that's the way I look at it. I've been lucky. We we have a Wii, which I probably haven't played it in ten years. That's the only game system yeah, we have good. in our house. We used to have a PlayStation, but I get my video game fixed. My full time job in one of our break rooms at work, we have a, a stand up. We have two stand up video games. We have a, like this golf one called Golden Tea. And oh, then, of course. Yeah, but and then next to it we have this one that has like 30 games on it like classic it's with the, with the joystick and everything and i play galaga every day in my break <laughs> yep i well i funny you say i've got a 60 in one arcade and we've got we've got all those cool it's got burger time and dig dug and those burger games time. to me those are games i can walk away from yes but these games that are immersive where you go you know brian the day i realized that a problem was i was about two in the morning i was in one of these immersions in these world of warcraft games where you have to go in with a whole group of guys <laughs> and you're stuck there for hours why well, wake up the next morning about seven hours later and i log in and all of these guys that i was playing with in my guild they're still playing i go hey you guys are here early and they go no no we never left we're wow. still up from last night and i realized you know hey man not healthy <laughs> yeah see i got i got lucky the only time i ever had anything close to that was i think when i was 10 on our atari 2600 i played uh, asteroids for four like four and a half or five and a half hours <laughs> and, until i fl- i flipped it i wanted to flip it and <laughs> get it back to zero for the score and i did it and then and i probably never played can. it again <laughs> never played it again because those games you could put down because now you've done it whereas these other games hey guess what the mithril sword of plus six agility is just beyond this dragon's lair let's go everybody yeah you know that's how they keep you playing man see i've been lucky anything any kind of like addiction stuff i've been lucky enough that i've seen do so many horrible things to other people like i had a, a friend when i was like probably nine or ten that wanted to get me to smoke and he went and he, he stole cigarettes from his mom and we were gonna smoke and he's like i'm going first because they're my mom's i'm like all right fine so he lit up he took a big puff and he threw up all over my backyard and i'm like i'm not doing that i walked away i've never smoked a day in my life <laughs> good for you yeah that's great and then in college my two my two of my roommates they the sega genesis came out when i was in college i remember that they bought one and they literally missed class for two weeks playing sega genesis you could have done uh, well i started adding my i looked at my hours in world of warcraft and i realized i could have probably reached you know uh another black belt in another <laughs> discipline with yep. all those hours i wasted you know exactly. and i also i i could have learned the piano i could have become a chess master and i 
realize it's so unproductive. But we live in this attention economy, Brian, and I don't think people consciously recognize this. We our our economy has shifted, and you and I, being Gen Xers, people born between sixty five and eighty two, we've really seen it more than probably anyone else. Because when we were kids, most parents worked in a, most dads worked in a factory. A lot of moms stayed home. Mm-hmm. It was it was fairly unheard of. That I mean, there were latchkey kids and everything. But now we've shifted to the service economy where nobody makes anything in America anymore. Yeah. Like my father worked a union job where he made stuff. Those are all gone. Yep. And, and it was replaced with the service industry. Well, now we're in the middle of the attention economy. And what that means is any medium that you can get people at, that's the economy because now there's more eyeballs available than ever because people stay home and work. People have their phones in their pockets wherever they are, whereas it used to be you could only show people screens when they sat down at home at television. Well, now they can constantly be watching something wherever they are. So if you can keep their attention, that's where the money is. You hit it right on the head completely. And once you recognize that, you can say, hey, these games are taking my attention away from what I should be doing, which is the, the gift of life I've been given is to be a creator and to create a better place. Right now, my only addiction is this podcast because it takes that's up right. every every ounce of my free time. So, but but Brian, you're creating, and yeah. that's what the world. You know, we are all made. I'm. I really am a fan of philosophy. I in about four years ago, I had a severe asthma attack, Ooh. and I've struggled with asthma. One of the other reasons I, I I joined martial arts was to deal with my cardio, and I had a severe asthma attack after a two week presentation. I was doing some a lot of presentations, and I I had this allergic asthma reaction, and I thought I was going have to go to the hospital uh, in an ambulance, but luckily someone got me an inhaler in time. And I remember sitting there thinking this quote I'd read in college when I took philosophy class, and it was, a man has two lives, and the second begins when he realizes he only has one. And I remember sitting there and I said that day, I said, I'm never going to miss a workout again. I'm going to wake up early every single day. There's no more excuses. I'm going to go back to the martial artist that I used to be. And I'm not going to be lazy anymore. I'm going to be ambitious and get things done. And it's led me into a rabbit hole of just re-examining philosophy and diving deep into Confucius, Lao Tzu, Sun Tzu, Buddha. And then on the Western philosophy side, we've got Epicurus, Epictetus, all these different philosophers that really, once you start seeing their messages, you realize you don't need a whole lot in life to be happy. In fact, the more things you own, the more they own you. You're probably better off living life for experiences rather than owning things. Right. And, and I've become a minimalist and uh, and gone back to the roots of, of what makes you feel good is getting up early with the sun. What do all those martial arts movies have in common? Wake up early and train <laughs> yep. because you feel best when you're training. And and if nothing else, just do it for the training. Yeah. And it's really been life-changing. I love it. All right. Next question. Favorite martial arts TV show? Oh, TV show. Yep. Oh, let me see. You know what? The Batman animated series in the 90s was awesome. Nice. And he he had one. There's one episode where this martial arts master comes after Batman and he's learning the dim mock. They don't call it the dim mock, you know, the death touch. Yep. But Batman, this this assassin jumps on Batman and somehow punches him in the right spot. And Batman, you think he's dead. And then you find out at the end, I broke into your dojo and studied. I've watched where you were punching the wooden dummy over and over. <laughs> and I put extra armor there. So when you punched me, I know that was the dim mock. You know, it was awesome, dude. So that's my favorite. I love Batman animated awesome. series 90s. That was an epic cartoon. It's got a great music intro to yep. really epic uh, series that's actually been said before so that's good nice no are you serious yep. yeah I, I think one dude, of my very awesome. one of my very first 
guests, like one of my first 10 guests on the show said that, said that. Oh, that's yep. funny. How obscure. I yeah, love it. That's really cool. All right. <laughs> what are some other answers you get on oh, that, Brian? You, you, you name it. Green Hornet. Obviously, okay. Kung Fu has been said many times. People have said sidekicks. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have said yeah. Cobra Kai. Walker, Texas, oh, yeah, Ra- Walker, Texas that's Ranger. Good. Highlander has been said. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. So, there's, there's been a lot, well, a lot of variety set. Do you remember the Jackie Chan made-for-TV movie called The Big Fight? or the, it's, it's in the Wild West days. Have you ever seen this with Jackie Chan in the eighties? It was made for TV. I'm sure and it's a I've wild west days and they're having a tough guy fight. And it's Jackie Chan against all these like big wet wild west guys, like a big fat bald guy. And oh, wow. um, I'll find this. I'll have to send you the link. It's okay. a great eighties made for TV movie. You'd love it. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've probably seen it, but it's probably been a long time. So yeah, if you can find it, that'd be cool. So uh, that was one that I remember watching as a kid and going, what are all these kicks and punches? I want to learn that. I want to be like a little acrobat, you know? So, nice. but that wasn't a TV show so much as a, yeah. a TV movie. And a, a lot of people also recently have said the, the TV show warrior. Oh, you know what, man? Have you seen it? I, I've seen warrior. Yes. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Is it good? You know what? I, I can't get past the beheadings at the, one of the first scenes. I just really disturbing to me. Oh, okay. I, I guess that's part of being an empath. They show people's yeah. heads cutting off and I, I just never like extreme violence like that. You know, yeah. it's just like, Ugh. I just like it because, much. cause Shannon Lee's involved and it's, it's what, yeah, Kung Fu, it's what Kung Fu was supposed to be. They, she, she, be, yeah. She, yeah, they created it based on Bruce Lee's notes for the original Kung Fu. So it's, yeah. it's, it's what it I'll could have to give it another try. You know, we live in a culture where, see, I grew up like boxing movies, Kung Fu movies, people get beat up. That's yep. cool. You know? Yeah. But you know, the, like John wick, I really want to like John wick, Brian. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. But shooting people in the face, that's not the same as Kung Fu and yeah. martial arts. I'm sorry, man. No. Uh, you got to leave someone standing. You just don't kill everyone. It's just part of our culture. I'd love to see a paradigm shift in our, a change in our attitudes and the zeitgeist about death and murder and shooting I, people. Go back to I beating would, people. I would up, agree. You know? I would agree. Very right. violent culture. Well, we, we, we talked quite a bit about this, but favorite martial arts movie. Um, oh, geez. How many did we just mention? <laughs> like 30. <laughs> so I, I will tell you, I think that um, obviously Enter the Dragon to me, mm-hmm. that was supposed to be like a James Bond franchise. And that was supposed to be the first one. Yep. And they were going to make a whole bunch of them. And it breaks my heart because who knows what that could have turned into. It, even now I go back, I watch that. The music, the editing, uh, there's nothing better than when uh, I'm trying to remember uh, the, the main character, Jones. Jones says, to Mr. Han, he says, man, you come right out of a comic book. <laughs> great line. Great yep. line. Cause that's exactly right. You know, it's like, yeah, that's what this is supposed to be. So that's probably my all time favorite follow up, uh, enter the dragon. I probably watched best of the best two and the original hundred times perfect weapon. Dozens of times. Nice. Blood sport dozens, kickboxer dozens. Yeah. Those are all kind of core movies for me. Very cool. All right. And the final martial arts question, it'll take kind of, this one doesn't have to be a martial arts movie, just a favorite movie fight scene. Is there one fight oh. scene that stands out? Yeah. Uh, I've got a lot of them. I love when the ax gang shows up in Kung Fu hustle and they pour gasoline on the woman yes. and the kid and the music drums and it's slow motion and the lighter starts and he's like one, two, and he's going to drop the lighter. And the guy steps forward and goes, it was me. And then the big fight starts <laughs> and it's just these Kung Fu masters kick, kicking butt. That's probably one of my favorite fight scenes. Cause it's kind of cartoon matrix 
meets you know traditional kung fu it's just it's just a fun thing but as far as realistic fight scenes in movies you know i gotta say man i've watched rocky four so many times i just love the whole spirit and attitude of that yep. movie and the training scenes and, all the training and scenes. that is probably yeah that's that's epic and the music uh, i'd say i'd say probably rocky four and uh, although i love the mr t fight in rocky three yep. they're all good man don't make me pick a favorite Brian. <laughs> most people give more than one answer for that anyway so and like yeah, i said i've had people pick and, I, and people have picked anything from Rocky to Star Wars to Marvel to I had someone pick the the, oh, sword, okay. the sword fight in Princess Bride. So it's it's cool oh, to hear that. The, yeah, the different answers and stuff. So it's kind of cool. But yeah, that is right. good. But you know, to me, I keep going back to that Enter the Dragon fight where he's with I think it's Bob. I'm trying to remember that martial artist Bob, Bob Wall. Wall was yep. that his name? Yeah, yep. Bob Wall. Where they're hand to hand, and I love that whole where he's going through the flashback in his mind of how his sister had to kill herself because of the the gang. And I, I think I love that whole sequence and the, the whole fight scene is just, that's a great, great scene. Nice. And there's no, not, not too many special effects. You know what I mean? It's still, yeah. it's very pure. Yeah. See, one of my favorites is from the, the, the Matt Damon born identity movies. Some of those fight scenes are okay. just, just those, fast yeah. and realistic and, and good. So yeah, right. it's fun. But all right, finally, this one has nothing to do with martial arts. And I, I just thought of it. I want to ask you since, since, yeah, you're, since you're also a mentalist, I'm just curious. Cause I was a fan of the show Were you, what did you think of the oh, TV yeah. show? The Mentalist with Simon Baker. You know, I, I feel bad that I've never really seen a single episode, oh, so really? I can't. I can't comment. Okay. I know I need to. I will tell you, I really, <laughs> I really do not watch much television, okay. especially modern television. I haven't. I don't watch a lot, but. Uh, everything everyone's told me it's actually a really good show, so I need to watch it. I wish I had a better answer for it. Yeah, you. <laughs> I'm just curious. Just is from from what you do, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it and stuff, yeah. and if it gets anything close or realistic, and be interesting. Yeah. I do love trying to explain to people magic versus mentalism, and uh, I love the idea of mentalism. Is it's not prop heavy. You don't need a lot of props, and it's kind of it's just a psychological aspect of magic. And magic to me is is very similar to martial arts in that you you need to put in the time and energy in once you learn the techniques like in martial arts in boxing you got a few basic punches that you need to master well it's no different than magic you've only got every magic trick in the world can fall into one of six or seven categories and that's it you know there's only seven magic tricks in the world arguably so that's the same with martial arts you know uh, when you get into a discipline you got to learn those basics learn the front kick and the side kick and the round kick and just uh, it's, it's such a journey and it's very fulfilling to pursue something you love uh, and immerse yourself in it well I, I hope i get to see you live someday and if and if you ever even if not but if you ever get to the minnesota or north dakota area let me know because i'd love to you know grab lunch and yeah. and, and talk more martial arts movies <laughs> Oh, of course, man. We spend hours doing that. You know, I do make it to Minnesota quite a bit. I've had many presentations in Minneapolis in the area. In fact, my oldest son uh, graduated from Carleton in Minnesota. Oh, okay. And then my my daughter, my third daughter starts in Carleton this year. Nice. Okay. See, I, yeah. I, I so actually we've got a lot of Minnesota roots. Yeah. yeah one, one of my um, side gigs, I, I do sports PA announcing and I do, a, I announce basketball for the Concordia Cobbers who are in the same league as Carlton. So I get to, announce, okay. I get to announce Carlton basketball once or twice a year. So. Wow, man. Are you, you are one busy guy, Brian. How many <laughs> yeah. kids do you have? I have three. Oldest is tw- almost, tw- he'll be 24 next month. He lives in Arlington, Virginia. Our 19 year old is a freshman, just fin- finishing his freshman year at University of Utah. Utah and Salt Lake City, and our daughter's a sophomore. 
All, all wow, three did, did martial arts for a while. Most, you know, usually they all started at age five and they quit anywhere from like age 13 to 15. They all, they're all theater kids. Ah, hey Perf- man, nothing yeah. wrong with that. That's yep. cool. Yeah, they're all very comfortable on stage and have done That's great. Mu- musical theater, regular theater. And the son's actually going to college to be an actor. So, Brian, I think that is fantastic. Listen, I really do. When I take the stage, I think about martial arts all since I started on stage. I think about it all the time. I think that's awesome. This is the ultimate expression and culmination of everything I've studied and practiced. And now I bring it to my dojo, which is the stage. That's really cool. And there's no wrong answer. You know, it's subjective. I can do whatever I want. They're not going to go. That's a, that's not allowed in our discipline. You can't do that. Definitely. Well, I got to say, Arthur, this has been, I, I didn't know what to expect because I knew very little about you. This has been such a blast. Like I said, I could talk to you for hours just about movies and TV shows, but before oh, yeah. I, before I let you go, anything that I maybe didn't ask you that you want to be sure to go and I'll put links for your, for your website and stuff so people can learn more about you and everything, but any, anything you want to get out there before I let you go? You know, Brian, um, what I would want to leave with people is there's this great quote I try to live by. It's, it's from George Bernard Shaw, and it goes something like this. Here's the true joy in life. It's in being used for a purpose considered your, by yourself as mighty, as a force of nature, instead of as a suffering clod of ailments and grievances, complaining the world will not devote itself to making you happy. I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the entire community. The harder I work, the more I live. I do not believe life is a short candle. To me, it is a sort of splendid torch that I have hold of for the moment. And it is my duty to make it shine as brightly as possible before handing it off to future generations. That's cool. That's a great way to, great way to end it. Seriously, just from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you. This has been such a blast. And I, I truly, I truly hope we can meet in person sometime and, and, and go down. It's a matter of time. I I make it up there every, you know, once every year or two. So you'll see me up there. It's just a matter of time. And same, if you're ever, listen, man, you ever need anyone to speak for you? I mean, I'm not going to charge you what I charge normal clients. I'm happy to, you know, I, I love, I sincerely love spreading the message of, uh, you know, the philosophers and martial artists about mm-hmm. getting in the moment and, and, you know, being a creator and don't live in the past or future. I, I just feel it's kind of my definitiveness of purpose. It's what I do. You know, I really enjoy it. Well, so please, anytime I can work with someone with similar, you know, goals definitely. and philosophies, I, I will. Well, I, what I might do is I might actually give you your info to our local chamber of commerce because they bring in yeah. speakers once or twice a year also. And that'd be kind of yeah. cool because that would be technically open to the public. You have to be a chamber member and stuff, sure. but but that'd be kind of sure. fun to do. All, I do all. a lot of chamber of commerces. Yeah, I'd be I'd be thrilled, man. I'd be my pleasure. Absolutely. Anything I can do to help, I will. And and other than that, I will I will be in touch when the episode comes out. The episode, okay. I think your episode right now is tentatively scheduled for May 18th. So I'm just under a month ahead. Awesome. And Brian, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for reaching out to me, man. It's been, it's been a a lot of fun. I look forward to seeing you in the audience soon. (laughs) I appreciate it, man. Have a good one. (laughs) Yeah, you too. Bye. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.